Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. We just want to make you aware of a couple things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There you can find out more information about who we are and where we're headed as a church. Once again, thanks for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any questions you have or any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. If you are a guest with us at Hope today, we for the last several weekends have been walking through a study that we are calling Love Life. We've subtitled it God's Perspective on Marriage, Dating, and Singleness. And throughout this study, we are trying to explore what God has to say about some of the most important relationships in our life. Normally at Hope, we're just studying straight through books of the Bible. If you are a guest, we just finished almost a year-long study through the book of 1 John in the New Testament. And then we felt led to kind of look at this topic of relationships and bring some biblical applications. So if you've not been able to be here in the weeks leading up to today, I encourage you to go online. We put everything that we do online. It's completely free. You can go there and get caught up with some of the teaching that we've already laid down. Uh, but in planning a series like this, here's what we knew as a pastoral team. When it comes to relationships, we live in a culture particularly our context here in America, but really it's a cultural thing all over the world, that it by and large has rejected God's design as it pertains to relationships. And because of that, we're experiencing a lot of relational brokenness in our culture. And I gave you a graphic that I want to put back up here in week two. And with this graphic, we kind of illustrated that, that God's given us his design by God's design We are to live our lives in a relationship with himself, first and foremost, and then all the other relationships in our life are designed to flow out of our intimate love relationship with God. God made us to know him and to love him and to be loved by him. And as we live out our relationship with God by his design, it's really lived out from one of two perspectives. We either live that out as a married couple or as a single person. And so all of us, by God's design, he's to be first in our life. And then whether we're married or single, all the other relationships in our life flow out of our love relationship with God. But here's what we know. <clears throat> sin entered the picture. And sin, which is simply the rejection of God's design. It's stepping across God's boundaries. And remember what I told you about God's boundaries a couple of weeks ago. When God says in his word, don't do something, God is, not, God is saying that because what he's saying is don't hurt yourself. When God says do something, what he's saying is help yourself. God didn't give us boundaries and parameters to rob us of all the joy and the freedom of living. No, God gave us boundaries and parameters because God created life. And God knows best how life is to be lived. And life lived in the context of the boundaries that God's given us brings us joy, fulfillment, peace and satisfaction. But sin lies and sin says, no, what you really need to be fulfilled is you need to step outside of God's boundaries. And what happens when we do that is it results in brokenness, brokenness. And we talked about a few weeks ago what some (laughs) examples of relational brokenness look like, and there's no end to the list. There's all kinds of examples of what brokenness looks like. But here's the good news of the gospel. Jesus, God's son, 
stepped out of eternity, took on humanity, and he entered the world. And he did that. God became a man because he loved us. And he loved us so much, he didn't want to leave us in our brokenness apart from him and apart from enjoying relationships with one another. So Christ Jesus came into the world, and here's what Jesus did. He took all of our sin, all of the brokenness of our sin, all of the wrath of God against sin, and on the cross, Jesus died for our sin. But he didn't just die. He rose again from the dead as a testimony that God had accepted his sacrifice for our sins so that now by faith in Jesus and the gospel, which is the good news that Jesus came, you and I can experience God's grace and the grace of God begins to restore back that which we lost because of sin. It starts by restoring our relationship with God. Through Jesus, you and I can be born again into a relationship with God. That which we lost because of sin, we get back through Jesus. But it doesn't just mean he restores our relationship with God. God in his grace and his infinite wisdom is also restoring back in our life all those years. Here's what that means. I may not be today all the man that I'm supposed to be, but thank God I'm not the man I used to be. Amen? I'm in a process of being conformed to the image of Jesus. And the more like Jesus I become, the more I enjoy the redemptive work of God in my life, restoring that which sin robbed away from me. So I gave you a a big idea a couple of weeks ago. Let me put it back up here. It simply says this. God's amazing grace brings beauty out of brokenness. Amen? So here's what that means. It doesn't matter who you are or where you are on this thing of rejecting God's design and having pursued your own way and experienced the brokenness of the... It doesn't matter who you are or where you are. The grace of Jesus is enough. In Jesus, you can find hope, you can find healing, and you can find life as God intended it to be lived. So we've been walking through this series. Last weekend, we talked specifically about singleness. And I said last weekend, some are single, and they're single because God has supernaturally grace-gifted you with singleness for your entire life for the sake of the mission. But most who are single are single simply for a season in life, which means you will not be single forever. One day you will be married. And currently you're in that season of trying to figure out and discern who it is that God would have for you. And what that looks like in our culture often is the word dating. And so today we're going to talk about dating. Now, I know what you're thinking. Does the Bible say anything about dating? Well, we're going to talk about that, and and yes, it does. It gives us some principles that we're going to look at, but just hold that thought for just a minute, and I want to try to help because when you say dating, immediately some people tune out. So I want to help three groups of people lean in to the message this morning. Here's the first group. There's some of you, you are here this morning, and you are currently in a dating relationship. You're not yet married. You're single, but you're in a dating relationship. Here's what I want you to do. We talked a few weekends ago that God's word is like a mirror. When you look in the mirror of God's word, it reveals things in your own heart. For those of you that are in a dating relationship, I want you to lean into these truths today like the mirror of God's word and let God's word speak into your heart. And here's what's going to happen. 
Some of you are dating and in a relationship and you're going to look in the mirror of God's word and you're going to find some things in that dating relationship that are not in line with God's word and you're going to need to turn away from that and bring your life into conformity with God's word. Others of you are going to see these principles and go, man, that's exactly the way I'm pursuing this relationship and it's going to affirm the direction. So you're going to lean in if you're somebody who's dating. Here's the second group. There's some of you here today You're walking with someone who's in a dating relationship. Maybe you're a parent. Maybe you're a grandparent. Maybe you're in a small group or an accountability group with some people who are in dating relationships. And what today's going to do for you is today's going to give you some biblical foundational truth that will allow you to speak into the lives of those that you're walking with. Hey, let's just be honest. This thing called Christianity was not designed to be lived out by ourselves. Amen? God gave us brothers and sisters in Christ to speak into our lives. So there's some of you, your parents, your grandparents, you got friends that are singles and dating, and what this is going to do today is going to give you the biblical equipping that you need to speak into their lives and walk with them. Here's the third group that needs to lean in. Some of you are not yet in the season of dating, but you will be in the future. Unless God has called you to a lifetime of singleness, you will reach a point where you begin to pursue relationships with others. What these principles are going to do for you is give you a foundation so that when you begin to make those decisions, you're doing it from a biblical framework. Does that make sense? So with that, let me go ahead and address the elephant in the room before we get started, all right? Dating. Dating is one of those words in the Christian vocabulary that is loaded with emotion. Some people have a lot of emotion around the subject of dating because they had a bad experience dating. Other people have a lot of emotion about it because they've developed some deep-rooted biblical convictions when it comes to dating. Others uh, have have read a book on it and have decided that it shouldn't even be talked about. Some have, have, have have seen the way our culture defines dating, and they run so far from it. So, so is, is dating right or is dating wrong? Well, that's really the wrong question. The question is not whether or not dating is right or wrong because the Bible neither condemns nor commands dating. You can read from Genesis to Revelation. You're never going to find a verse that says, thou shalt date. But you're also not going to find this verse, thou shalt not date. Neither of those verses are in Scripture. So here's the real question that we need to address today. Is my approach to dating or courtship or pursuing relationships, whatever you want to call it, whatever term you want to use, am I doing it in a way that pleases the Lord and honors his word? So parents and grandparents, today I want to give you some tools to help you evaluate for your children, your grandchildren, are they, are they dating? Are they pursuing relationships in a way that pleases and honors the Lord? If you're single, I want to give you some, some biblical instructions so that you can look at your life and examine these principles. But what I want to do before we jump in is I want to give a definition of dating so that when you hear me use the term, we're all coming from the same place, all right? So let me put it up here on the screen. Here's a definition of dating as we're going to talk about it today. Pursuing marriage. Now, I know some of you are already going, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I'm not looking to get married. I'm just dating. Well, listen, if you're not pursuing marriage as a Christian, you ain't got no business dating, period. Period. 
There's no reason to be pursuing intimate relationships with other people apart from seeking out that one which God has for you for marriage. So pursuing marriage is a qualifier. Maybe we don't even get far in the sermon for you to look in the mirror and go, wait a minute, I got this thing messed up. If that's not the game you're playing, you need to change games. Amen? Pursuing marriage in a way that pleases the Lord and guards the heart of the person you are pursuing. That's what dating from a biblical worldview really is. It's, pursue, it's that process as a single of pursuing marriage, but you're doing that in a way that is honoring and pleasing to the Lord and guarding the heart of the person that you are pursuing. So what I want to give you this morning is I want to give you four musts of dating from a biblical perspective. Now, You say, where is the passage of Scripture we're going to turn to? Well, there is no dating text of Scripture in the Bible. Normally at Hope, again, if you're a guest, we dig into a passage of Scripture and we unpack what the Word of God says because we believe convictionally that it doesn't matter what the opinions of the preacher are. What matters is what does God's Word say? Amen? But in this particular tag, in this particular subject matter, there's not a chapter because we're dealing with a cultural issue in our unique culture. And so what we've got to do is look at different places in Scripture and draw some biblical principles. So this morning, you need to lick your flipping thumb because we're going to flip around in the Scriptures. I'm going to put all of them up here on the screen for you. But here's, here's must number one. I must stop searching and start being. I must stop searching and start being. Remember week one, we laid down this big idea. Look at it up here on the screen. Let's read it out loud together. Ready? One, two, three. Before love in my life can ever be right, Jesus must be the love of my life. Here's the principle. Every other relationship in my life flows out of my pursuit of Jesus intimately. And so the number one pursuit in your life, listen, it doesn't matter if you're dating, if you're married, if you're single, the number one pursuit in all of our lives should be Jesus and Jesus alone. And as we pursue intimacy with Christ, all the other relationships in our life will flow out of that. But particularly in this season of dating and singleness, a relationship with Jesus is to be your ultimate pursuit. Let me show it to you in the Bible. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. And don't forget, this is Paul that's writing this. Paul was a single adult. So Paul was writing from a position of singleness. Listen to what he said. More than that, I count all things to be, say that out loud, loss. In view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Here's what Paul said. In comparison to everything else in my life, A passionate pursuit of Jesus is the most important thing in my life. He said it far, he said it's not like this. It it just far exceeds everything else. And that should be true for every one of us. The ultimate pursuit of our life is knowing Jesus. So here's how you apply that as a single in the arena of dating. If you can't honestly say today that a pursuit of Christ personally, daily, and individually is the number one passion of my life, you're not (laughs) ready to date. You're not ready to pursue that next relationship. That must be 
first. Let me show it to you in a graphic that we uh, created this week. It's a little triangle. You see a guy over here and a girl over here, and you see this triangle, and Jesus is at the top. And the point is, as we pursue Christ, what happens? As we pursue Christ, God brings us together with that person that he desires for us. As we grow closer to Jesus, we grow closer to that person. It's in my pursuit of Christ that he brings them into my life. If only one of you is pursuing Christ, guess what? You're not getting closer together. You're getting further apart. If you're just pursuing each other, you've abandoned the ultimate pursuit, which is to grow in Christ's likeness. So for a believer, for a child of God, the only way to get closer to your mate is to draw closer to Jesus. So here's the point. Stop trying to find someone and focus on becoming someone worth finding. You hear that? Stop trying to find someone and focus on becoming someone worth finding. And here's the principle. As you do that, you don't have to worry about finding them. As you do that, God will bring them into your Life. Elizabeth Elliot, who was a, her husband, was a missionary uh, to an unreached people group, and he was actually killed while he was trying to take the gospel. So Elizabeth Elliot lived much of her life as a single. Listen, what she said, speaking to a group of singles, she said, "Put your love life on the altar and keep it there until God takes it off. Just pursue Him." So I must stop searching and start being. Number two. I must seek out and submit to biblical authority. God's word is an authority in our lives. As you and I submit to the word of God, we invite God's blessing, God's favor, God's protection into our life. But in God's word, God's word has given us principles of biblical authority, people that God's placed into our lives to shepherd over our lives. And the principle of biblical authority is really like an umbrella, all right? It's going to freak some of you out, but I'm about to open this inside. Now, I know some of you just panicked, and you're like, oh, my gosh, he's opening a number. Listen, God is sovereign. He's on his throne. Get over it, all right? He didn't fall off the throne when we opened the umbrella inside, so don't worry about that. Now, here's the principle of biblical authority. God has given us authority in our lives to protect us, and the degree to which we stay and submit to the Word of God And then we submit to the biblical authorities that God's given us. And I'm going to give you some examples of what that looks like. We receive God's protection, God's blessing, and God's favor. Now, ultimately, the word of God is our ultimate authority. So any other authorities in your life, if they ever speak anything into your life that's contrary to the word of God, then you submit to the highest authority, which is the word of God. But as you and I submit to the authorities in our life, guess what happens? We receive God's blessing, God's favor, and God's protection. When we step out from under the authority of God's word, and we think we know better, we remove God's protection, God's blessing, and God's favor from our life. Does that make sense? So let me give you a couple of examples of what this looks like. First of all, in Scripture, there's the principle of parental authority. Let me show it to you in the Bible. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Look at it up here. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is, say it out loud. Now, here's the problem with this verse. We think this verse is something we should only teach over in that building where all the kids are, right? 
all those little boys and girls, this is a verse for them. Children, obey your parents. Here's the problem with that thinking. In the Greek language, there are several words translated by the word child or children. One of them is the word paideon. We get our English word pediatrics from it. If this was the word paideon, then you'd be correct. Because the word paideon or pediatrics is a word that applies to children that are usually 12 years of age and younger. But that's not this word. When he said children obey your parents, the word children here is the Greek word technon. It's a word that's not age specific. This is more teaching a household principle of dependence. When you start talking about singleness and dating, here's what I hear a lot from from, from young adults. Well, I'm not a child anymore. I don't have to obey my parents. Well, the principle of Scripture is as long as you have a relationship of dependence, which means who's paying the bills, amen, mom and dad in the room, as long as you have a relationship of dependence, the, the Scripture says God's Word is clear that you are to submit to your parents and the authority. Here's what that means. If your mom and dad say, that's not the person for you, that's not the person for you. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. My parents aren't saved. Children obey your saved parents? Is that what it says? No. It says children obey your what? You say, well, but I don't have confidence in my... Listen, this is not about you having confidence in your parents. This is about you having confidence in the God who gave you your parents to say, I'm going to submit to your word, and God, I trust that you're big enough. If my parents are wrong, you can change their heart. It's about submitting to the authority of your parents. Now, obviously, if your parents are godly and they walk with the Lord and they have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of them, it's a much easier thing to do. But listen, it takes faith to follow this principle when your parents aren't godly. But the principle is you obey your parents. You submit to their authority. And in doing that, listen, you're not trusting them. You're trusting God who placed them over you. But then there's a second Example I want to give you because I would encourage you if your parents don't walk with the Lord that just because they sign off may not be enough spiritual instruction for you. You want to make sure that you're also submitting to spiritual authority. Let me show you a verse out of Hebrews chapter 13. Look at it on the screen. Obey your leaders and submit to them for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. The writer of Hebrews here is writing about spiritual leadership. Who are spiritual leaders? Here's who they are. They're those inside of your local church that you've placed yourselves under to grow spiritually. Your pastors, your small group leaders, your discipleship or accountability partners. These are all spiritual leaders that you've placed yourself under for the purpose of growing in Christ-likeness. So not only living in submission to my parents, but are there spiritual leaders that are speaking into my life and I'm just ignoring them and doing my own thing? Here's the question. If you're in a dating relationship, what are the godly people in your life speaking to you about that relationship. What are they saying? Why is this so important? Let me show you why. Ben Stewart just released a new book on this subject this week. just came out. Here's what Ben Stewart said in his book. Romantic feelings are intoxicating and at times distorting. 
in the throes of infatuation, we can lose objectivity. Getting the right voices speaking into the process can help you, can, can, can keep you safe from spending too much time with the wrong person. Not only can they keep you from dating the wrong person, they can help you identify the right one. You see, if we're not careful to listen to the spiritual authorities in our life, here's what happens. When we ignore them, we step outside the umbrella of God's protection. God's blessing. How many of you want to build your life, your relationships outside the umbrella of God's protection and blessing? No, right? We want God's protection and blessing. How do we find that? Submit ourselves to the word of God. Listen, now don't miss this. Anytime a spiritual authority, a parental authority tells you to do something in violation to the word of God, God's word is the ultimate authority. So submitting to the word of God is, is preeminent over submitting to every other authority in my life. But it doesn't discount the fact that God's given us these authorities. And here's what I've learned in my own life. Over 25 years in ministry, 27 years walking with the Lord, here's what I know. My perspective is always limited. My input is never enough, and my heart will always lie to me. Let me say it again. My perspective is never enough. My input is always limited, and my heart will always lie to me. Let me show you a verse of Scripture. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 11. Look at this on the screen. Jeremiah writes, and he says, verse 9, the heart is more, what is this word? Listen, if you don't know this spiritual principle, you need to grab this. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Here's what that means. Your heart, my heart will lie to me. My heart will say, this is what you need to be happy. And then as soon as you grab a hold of that, guess what? You find out it was a what? It was a lie. Why? Because the heart is more deceitful than all else. It's desperately wicked. Who can understand it? So we need to submit to the word and to the authorities, the leadership that God's placed in our lives. Why? Because our heart will lie to us, especially in the arena of dating and relationships. You can begin to think, oh, this is the one for me. But if those around you that are spiritual are speaking into your life, listen to them. Here's why. Look what Proverbs says in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. If you think you know more than everybody else about this relationship, the Bible has a word for you. But a wise man is he who what? Listens to counsel. I must stop searching and start being. I must seek out and submit to biblical authority in my life. Here's the third one. I must establish standards for who I choose to spend time with. I must establish standards for who I choose to spend time with. Let me give you a life, a love life reality. I want to put it up here on the screen. Look at this. You can't choose who you fall in love with, but you can choose who you spend time with, and you will fall in love with someone you spend time with. Now, that may not hit you like a freight train this morning, but there's a lot of wisdom in that if you'll think about it. You don't get to choose when the old heart flips the switch. Here's what you do get to choose who you spend time with. 
and the people you spend time with, one of them is going to be the person when the the heart's going to flip that switch. So here's the point. If you're single and you're pursuing relationships, be careful about who you spend time with. Be careful. And let me say a word here to parents and grandparents. Moms and dads, listen, and I have, I have three older children, one, one still in high school, but I got three that are in college, one's already married, so I've lived through some of this myself personally. If you're a mom or a dad or a grandparent, listen, you don't get to choose who your kids are going to end up falling in love with, but you can put boundaries around who they choose to spend time with. You say, well, if I, if I do that, they're not going to like me. My kids aren't going to, listen, your children don't need you to be their friend. Your children need you to be their parent. And if you will be their parent when they need you to be their parent, they will be your friend when they are looking for a friend, I promise you. But be a parent. Set those boundaries. Listen, their heart is telling them all kind of stuff. You got to give them some boundaries and parameters. So, so with that, let me give you four examples of what these standards should look like. Now, when we get to this area, I'll just say this. This is a matter of personal conviction. you got to hear from the Lord yourself. you got to determine what your standards are. But let me give you some basics as you begin to walk in this. Here are four standards to consider when dating as a Christian. Number one, saved. Is this person a follower of Jesus? Now, we shouldn't have to say that, Right? But we have to say that. Are they saved? Let me show you a verse of Scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. Did you hear it? Do not. He didn't say think about it. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? And I know what some are already thinking. But pastor, aren't we supposed to be building relationships with lost people so we can share the gospel with them? Yes, but that's evangelism, not dating. That's different. Yes, we should be cultivating relationships with people that don't know God. Yes, we should be doing that so Christ in us can can share the love of God with them and they can come to know Jesus. But that's different than pursuing marriage. That's what dating is. It's pursuing marriage. So they should be saved. They should be a follower of Jesus. So here's the point. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're in a dating relationship with a person who's not a follower of Jesus... Scripture could not be more clear. You should end that relationship, period. It is not the will of God for you. It's not. And if you reject that, you're stepping outside of the umbrella of authority that God's given you in your life, and you're removing his protection, blessing, and favor in your life. Be very careful. Number two, not only saved, They should be seeking. And here's what I mean by that. Is this person growing in their relationship with God, other believers, and the world? The verse we just read said don't be bound together. It's the Greek word to be yoked. And when you yoke two oxen or cattle together to plow a field, the principle of the yoke is that they are pulling or plowing in the same direction. If they're not moving in the same direction, don't be bound together. So the principle here is you need to find someone. You need to be looking for someone whose walk with Jesus inspires you to love Jesus more. And not just think, well, if I could just get them more spiritual, they'd be perfect. No. You need to look for people that are inspiring you to love Jesus more. Mom and dad, grandparent, as you set standards for your kids, who they're going to spend time with, this principle should be important. Here's the third one, serving. And here's the question here. Is this person using their gifts to serve others in the body of Christ? 
A great barometer of someone's walk with God is Christ in them, living through them, serving others. Listen, they can talk church, they can talk Christianity all day long, but if Christ in them is not living through them, manifesting himself and serving other people, that's not somebody that should be on your radar. Number four, sharing. Here's the question here. Is this person joining in God's mission locally and globally? Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God. So I want to know that the person that, that I'm pursuing, they're saved, they have a relationship with Jesus, they're seeking, they're growing in intimacy with Jesus, they're serving, they're, 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 they're allowing Christ in them to minister through them, and they're sharing in the mission of Jesus, joining in the big picture of God's activity. So that's four to consider. You've got to establish your own. But those four at a minimum, if you're here today and you're single and you're a follower of Jesus and you long, you long to find that someone that you can share life with, listen, you will not find it apart from establishing these kinds of standards and choosing those are the ones I'm going to spend my time with. That makes sense? Say amen. Let me give you the fourth one. We'll finish with this one. I must set boundaries that guard my heart and the heart of the one I'm pursuing. So I must stop searching, start being. I must seek out and submit to biblical authority in my life. I must establish some, some, some standards about the people I'm going to choose to spend time with because one of them I'm going to fall in love with. And then lastly, I must develop some boundaries that guard my heart and the heart of the one that I'm pursuing. If you are in a dating relationship, you need to place boundaries in your life that will safeguard you and the one you're pursuing from the dangers of temptation. Listen, I understand. If you're a Christian, you're single, you're in dating relationships, I get it. Temptation is real, especially because of the sensuality of the age that we live in. Every sitcom, every romantic movie portray a, a, a vehicle of relationship that is very sensual and very physical, and the temptation for that is absolutely overwhelming. I get it. I understand it. That's all the more reason you need to make sure you have these boundaries in place. Let me give you a text of Scripture I want you to look at. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Look at these on the screen. Paul writes and he says, finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord, that Jesus, that as you have received from us instruction as to how to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more. So Paul here is writing, said, hey, we've given you some instruction about what it looks like to please the Lord. Man, go after it with all your heart. Now he gets specific. Look at it, verse 2. For you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God. Your sanctification, that is, that you abstain from sexual immorality. We talked a couple of weekends ago, this phrase sexual immorality means any sexual expression outside of the covenant relationship of one man and one woman for one lifetime, the covenant relationship of marriage. Any physical sexual expression outside the context of marriage, the Bible says, is not the will of God for you, period, period. And again, that's not to rob us of all the joy and pleasure. It's to protect and to safeguard all that God's entrusted us. Let's read on. Look at verse 4. 
that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God, and that no man transgress and defraud his brother in the matter because the Lord is the avenger of all these things. Just as we told you before and now solemnly warn you, for God, verse 7, has not called us for the purpose of impurity but in sanctification. So, verse 8, he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives you his Holy Spirit. Here's what Paul says. God's will for us is purity as it comes to physical relationships. And sexuality is to be enjoyed, but only inside the context of marriage between a man and a woman in the covenant relationship of marriage. And Scripture says anything outside of that is not God's will for you. And if you ignore that, if you reject that, if you do your own thing, here's what it's saying. You're not rejecting the teachings of a church. You're not rejecting the teachings of some strict person. If you reject that, you are rejecting God himself. I know that stands in great contrast to the culture that we live in, but it is the truth of the word of God. Let me give you an example of this out of one of these verses. Look at verse six. I want to put it back up here on the screen. Paul said, and that no man transgress and defraud his brother. This word can be brother, sister, brother, sister in Christ in the matter because the Lord is the avenger in all these things. This word defraud You know what that word literally means in the Greek language? It means to take advantage of someone by creating a desire that is more than you can give. It means to create a desire in someone else that you can't righteously satisfy. Here's the question everybody wants to ask when they talk about relationship. How far is too far? And here's the way most people ask the question. How close can I get to the edge and still be okay? And here's what Paul says. It's not about how close can you get to the edge. The heart of the child of God should be, I want to be so far away from the edge that I don't even create a desire in that person I can't righteously satisfy. Here it is in a statement. Look at it. When I've created a desire in someone that I cannot righteously satisfy, I've gone too far. Could you be more specific? Could you tell me where the line is? Here's the problem. The line's going to be different with all of us depending on our flesh, our weaknesses, our past, our failures. The line's going to be different. But the line is way further than where culture's drawn it today. So you need to, based on this principle, establish some boundaries. Let me just give you one example of a boundary. I don't want to get into a list of boundaries because you've got to hear from God on this. But here's an example. Never be alone with the person you're dating except in public. How about that as a boundary? Here's what we want to do. No, we want to get all alone and cuddly and then say, oh, God, would you give us strength in this moment? Listen, before God gave you strength, he gave you wisdom. And wisdom says put some boundaries in place to protect. That's not biblical dating to get in the moment and then go, oh, Lord, give us strength. 
No, God's given you wisdom to set some boundaries that guard you from those moments so you don't put your, that's why Proverbs in Proverbs chapter seven, Proverbs chapter seven talks all about not being at the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people. That's how you avoid falling into those situations in life. So establish some boundaries like that that will allow you to guard the heart of the person that you're pursuing. Make sense? So if you're here and you're dating, as you've looked in God's mirror, what do you see? If you're here and you're considering dating in the future, what are some principles that you need to lay down? If you're here and you're a parent or a grandparent, what have you heard? What are you gleaning that you can speak into the lives of the children, the grandchildren that you're raising to protect them from some of the very mistakes that some of us have made? Here's the beautiful thing about parenting and grandparenting. God gives you in his grace the opportunity to get a second chance in somebody else's life in some areas where you've already blown it, you can now speak into their lives, bring God's word, and protect them from making some of the same mistakes maybe that you've made. So that's some of the musts from Scripture about dating. Let's pray together today. Father, we ask you this morning to take your word and to speak into our lives. God, as only you can now in this moment, Lord, would you bring application, would your Holy Spirit Just speak now clearly. As you sit quietly before the Lord this morning, in just a moment we're going to have an opportunity to respond to what we've heard from God today. And Maybe you're here and first of all, I'd love to talk to you. If you, you don't know Jesus at all, you don't have a relationship with God. Before you start thinking about standards and boundaries and all those things, listen, what you need today more than you need anything is you need Jesus. Some of you I know today are coming from a real place of brokenness. There's a lot that you feel like you're carrying. Today, the first step, the first step on this journey is to surrender the control of your life to Jesus, to turn from your sin. Embrace Jesus as the Lord and the Savior of your life and submit yourself to his word and he will begin to bring you the abundant life that he promises in scripture. He'll begin to guide you and lead you and direct you. So as you sit there in the stillness of this moment, in just a moment, we're going to stand, we're going to sing a song of worship. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus... We have some pastors that are here at the front on either side of the stage. I'm here in the middle. When we stand to sing, you just come to any one of these pastors. Here's all you have to say. I need Jesus. And we'll have somebody sit down with you and open a Bible and show you how you can begin a personal relationship with God. You just need to come. Just come. If you're sensing right now that the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, as soon as we stand in a moment, don't you wait on anybody else. You just come. For others of you this morning... Maybe God's spoken to you about, maybe you're single, you're in that season of dating and God's spoken to you about that and you want to just come and in a very physical way. We're going to take these steps up and open them up like an old-fashioned altar. Maybe you just want to come and get in one of these altars and tangibly just lay your dating life on the altar. Just give it to the Lord and leave it there. Maybe there's some moms and dads or grandparents that want to come and get in one of these altars and just pray.
pray, plead for God on behalf of their children and grandchildren that God would bring into their lives the right people. For others of you, maybe you're you're struggling in these areas of relationships and you'd love to connect with someone. Our pastors are here. If you come, we'd be honored to pray for you and to connect you with one of our Next Steps volunteers who can help you get connected in a small group or just bring some counsel or biblical instruction, answer a question. For others of you today, maybe you just need to pray with a pastor about your job, your health, your family. As we sing this song of worship, it's not an opportunity to slip out early. It's an opportunity to respond to what we've heard from God today. So, Lord, we invite you in this moment. You have your way. You speak as only you can. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.